Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. And Ruthie, you're going to read for us verse 21. And Danny, you're going to read verse 22. Okay? So while you guys are getting that, we're going to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we get ready for this message now tonight, Lord, this is a message, Lord, that you never hear anybody preach on. And it's sad, Lord, because this holiday is a holiday that people have traditionally, although there ain't a lot of big celebrations, Lord, they do some rather dumb things. And they have no clue of what this holiday is all about, Lord. So, Lord, I'd like to expose tonight, if you're with your help, Jesus, the wickedness of this holiday, Lord. And to help us understand as Christians, we shouldn't be into this foolishness. So, Lord, we ask you right now that you would help us to tell the truth about this April Fool's Day, Lord, as to what it really is all about. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, Ruthie, you're going to read verse 21, and Danny, you're going to read verse 22 of Matthew chapter 5. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. There's a pretty strong warning there. So I want you guys to keep those two verses handy. After Ruthie reads, we're going to be coming right back to those, okay? So now, Ruthie, you want to read this here about April Fool's Day. April 1st is April Fool's Day. The practice of April fooling in England is said to have begun in the 18th century. The English did not reform their calendar until 1752. April Fool's Day is a relatively minor holiday. Present celebrations are all but non-existent. Yet it continues to be a day which has everyone on his toes, alert to the practical joker who may lurk around the corner. A certain childlike quality and nostalgic quality about the day keeps it alive. I'm just going to say a little personal note here. It has nothing to do with the book. When I was a kid, what we did was we'd come around and I'd, I did something personal to my grandparents that got me in big trouble. I actually hid and did an April Fool joke on my grandparents. They were about ready to call the police. I got a good spanking for that. And also another thing we did is I used to come around and say, Hey, your, your shoes are untied. You'd look. April Fool. That's the kind of dumb jokes we played on each other. All right. Well, actually, Ruth, I'm glad you had that for a testimony because now you explained it a little bit of what we're talking about. How foolish April Fools can be. Ruthie, I'm going to want you to read again Matthew 5 and 21. Matthew 5 and 21. And then I'm going to have read. Uh, I'm going to say. A uh, I'm going to comment on that a little bit and preach on it a little bit, and then we're going to have Danny read his verse tonight. All right. So, Matthew five. You're going to read twenty one first, Ruthie. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, anybody 
that is a student of the Word of God that has studied the Bible, even in a minor sense, they may not have a degree in theology, they know that this is in reference to the Old Testament law in Exodus chapter 20 that says, Thou shalt not kill. And you have a lot of people, they'll nitpick over the law of the Old Testament. And they'll talk about murdering babies and abortion, which is murder, and it is killing, and it is wrong. Yes. But Jesus said, I want you to take this one step further, boys. Jesus always took it to the heart of the matter. I always like Jesus. He took it to the heart of the matter and said, oh, there's more to it than just, than just pulling out a gun and blowing someone's brains out. Now, what did Jesus say, Danny? Verse 22, Matthew 5 and 22. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Ho, ho, I want you to stop right there. Now, that's pretty tough stuff. He that is angry, hello, if you're angry without a good reason for being angry, the Bible says you can anger but sin not. That means if there's a reason, a godly reason for you to be maddered and hot and tight, Matter than a wet hornet, hotter than a firecracker, and all those other little adages. Okay, if there's good reason, Jesus said if there's really a good reason, okay. But if you're mad, and you're not getting glad again, and there's no reason for it, he says you're in danger. You are in deep trouble. Go on, Danny. Okay, and... And whosoever shall say to his brother, Baraka, shall be in danger of the council. But, now, that's a change of direction. Yeah. Whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, Raka would be like saying, you, I'm, I won't even use the uh, language... Used by most folks of today. The, the male offspring of a female dog. Okay? But anybody knows what I'm talking about, they're okay, but I ain't going to define it to you. Alright? That's the equivalent of Raka. And he says, look, if you go to someone and say you're a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. Now, before we get all the legalists on board saying, well, see, so everybody that plays April Fool's jokes are going to hell, hold your horse, Grandma, and hold on to your bonnet because there's a little more to this than that. You need to understand what the Bible has to say. The Bible never said you couldn't say to somebody they're a fool. It never said that. It just said... If you say thou fool, meaning if you're saying to someone you're calling them a fool and they aren't actually a fool as defined by the word of God, then you're in trouble. But if you take and you say to somebody that they're a fool and 
They are a fool. You're calling it as it is. Now remember, Jesus called the Pharisees and Sadducees a bunch of fools and blind guides. Now they weren't literally physically blind. He's talking about their spiritual state. So if Jesus could use such language and not go to hell and be sinless, then that means we could do it too. So what it means is we better be spiritually discerning as to who we're calling a fool before you open your pie hole. Amen. All right. Well, in that event, we need to get a description first of what and who the Bible says a fool is. Okay? I told you all to keep your Bibles handy because we're going to need them tonight. If you ain't got your KJV out, your sword out, and got it nice and sharp, you're in trouble tonight. Amen. Uh, Danny, I'd like you to go to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 9. Proverbs 23 verse 9. And Ruthie, I want you to sneak over to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 3. Okay? So, Ruth is going to get Proverbs 20 and verse 3. Danny's going to get us Proverbs 23 and verse 9. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Now, first thing we need to know what a fool is, he's someone who is hard-headed. Hard-headed. Headed. Now, we're not going to say any names, but I think all three of us right here already tonight know a person of this description. Hard-headed. You speak your words of wisdom, and he won't listen. All right, Ruthie, uh, you might want to slide over here long enough to read this for me. Proverbs 20 and verse 3. Proverbs 20 and verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. But every fool will be meddling. Uh, you want to read that again? It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Uh, the same person fits this. A wise man ceases from arguing. Yes. But a Fool is continuously meddling. They like to gossip. Not only do they like to gossip, but they like to pick a fight. Pick, nitpick, nitpick. That's right. Come on, Danny. That's exactly it. They like to nitpick, nitpick, nit, nitpick, pick, pick. The, the only thing they ought to be doing is uh, if they're going to pick, pick a guitar. Quit picking on everybody and nitpicking over little issues that had nothing to do with Jesus. So, the the whole point that we're making here is a fool so far that we could see is hard-headed and they're a nitpicker and a meddler and a gossiper. Alright. Now, another portion of Scripture that describes a, go a, 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 a fool, according to the Scripture... Uh, Danny jumped over there to Proverbs 26 
verses 4 through 12. 26, Proverbs 26, verses 4 to 12. And Ruth, you're going to sneak over to Psalms 53, 1 through 4. Okay? 4 to 12, Kenny? Yes, you're going to do 4 to 12, Danny. And then you're going to do again, Ruthie. I'm going to repeat for both of you one more time. You're going to be doing Psalm 53, verses 1 to 4. That's for Ruthie. Psalm 53, 1 to 4. And Danny will be doing Proverbs 26, verses 4 through 12. Okay, Danny, come on. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Okay, now I'm going to have to keep stopping you as you go, okay? Now, you don't answer a fool. <coughs> when he starts nitpicking, that's what it means by answering him. You don't nitpick and answer him when he's nitpicking. According to his sinfulness. When he wants to live in sin, let him go. Okay, go on, Danny. Lest thou also be like unto him. Ooh. Okay, go on. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise his own conceit. Okay, now hope. See, if you go answering a fool, he'll take your wisdom and then think he was the one that came up with all the Bible answers, and then he gets his head puffed up. Uh, do we know someone like this? Nameless, okay? <laughs> I think we all do. Go on, Danny. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. Gee. See, you don't want to send a message or, or, or an errand by a foolish person. Because they'll never get it done. All right, come on. The legs of the lame are not equal. So is a parable in the mouth of fools. Now, wait a minute. Danny, now we're not trying to talk about you. But as you well know, when you don't have two equally, equally long legs, just like I don't, it makes it harder to walk. Right? Yes. Well, it's saying here, just like it's hard for you to walk with two unequal legs, the same it is for a fool. He cannot walk in the ways that God wants him to walk. Because he's a fool. Amen. Okay, go on. Verse 8, right? Mm-hmm. As he, as he that... Uh, Findeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. Now think about it. When you give honor, that is respect, to a foolish man, it's like taking a rock, putting it in a sling, and rather than allowing it to work like it's supposed to, you tie the stone in so it can't come out. Meaning it's useless. Okay, go on. Okay. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. <laughs> now think about it. A parable in the mouth of a fool is as wasteful and non-effective as a thorn in a drunken man's hand because drunken man don't even know it's there. Okay, go on, Danny. The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors. Now think about it. God says, look, now it ain't our place to reward anybody who's acting like the fool. 
It's God's place. He's going to reward the sinner and the fools, all himself. Go on, Danny. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Now, hello. Hello, y'all. Now, I'm going to say somebody's name here. We wonder why he runs off to cults from one to the next to the next. Right here is your verse, y'all. As a dog returns to their vomit. When Maggie would get sick, she'd go and barf it up and then go out there and try licking it up again. As a dog returns to their vomit, means as dumb as they are, a fool will keep going to his folly. Goes right back to his sin. Just like Eric keeps running to, from cult to cult. He's just acting like a fool, running from one to another. Why? Because he's like a dog running after his own vomit. Okay, go on, Danny. Seest thou a man wise in his conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. See, someone who's got his eyes all puffed up in conceit, a fool has a better chance of getting into heaven than he does. Ruthie, you ready? Psalm 53, verses 1 through 4. Come on over here. Psalm 53. 1 to 4. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that go doeth good. God looketh down from heaven upon the children of men, to see if there were any that didn't understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. What as a description is a fool? The basic description is found in Psalm 53 and 1. He's someone who has no concern for God. Who denies Jesus Christ. The fool has said in his heart. In his heart. Now remember how Jesus always got to the heart of the matter. And out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The fool said in his heart there is no God. Well we hear a lot of fools today. Oh there ain't no God. Oh yes there is a God. His name is Jesus. That's right. Hallelujah. And if you don't like that, lump it. You get mad, get glad again. Yeah. The fact is, you have to be pretty foolish to think there is no God. And the problem is, the Bible says, those fools, those people, there's not one that will do good. So, If you know someone who, for a fact, fits that description, there's nothing wrong in calling them a fool. Because <coughs> you're calling black, black, and white, white. But if, if, you know, if you don't know for a fact a person fits that description, you have no business calling them a fool when you know they ain't. So that's what we're talking about here. But this April Fool's thing... Now, going to the holiday, when you think about it, just because someone falls for a prank that you would pull, for example, like the kids do, 
hey, you know, your shoe is untied and the person looks down, and then you say April Fool's just because the person looked down at something that would be a, a completely innocent thing under normal circumstances, uh, excuse me, that does not make a person a fool. The Bible doesn't say that is the mark of a fool. A fool is someone who denies God. Well, now some people in this world might say that I'm a fool. All because I want Jesus. Well, I got a little scripture for them. Yeah. I got a little scripture for them to consider. And I'm going to need both you guys' help tonight. Danny, I'm going to have you read the first 16 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Ruth, I'm going to let you take 17 to the end of the chapter. Because there's 31 verses there. And I want you guys to read this. We're going to find out where you really need to be a fool. <laughs> Amen. And we also notice a problem that the first church of the Corinth, uh, in Corinth there, what they had. They had a little problem. And Paul was trying to deal with it right very first from the opening of the gate, chapter 1. He had to deal with a problem. All right. You ready there, Danny? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First 16 verses, right? Yeah, the first 16 verses. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and uh, Faustus, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all that in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in, in you, so that came behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also conform you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom we were called, under the fellowship of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all same thing, they all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Oh, okay. Now he begins to deal with a problem. He says, "Now I beseech you, brethren. I beg of you, brethren. Take a listen. That you all speak the same thing." Why? Because they were starting to speak a bunch of different messages. Now, I know you're going to say, well, how do you get that? Well, you're going to hold on to your bonnet there, Grandma, and I'll explain it to you. And he says, and that there be no divisions among you. See, there was, they were starting, this church was getting ready to split because of some problems. Because, and one of the first thing is, Cult doctrine started to squeeze its way in. Okay, go on, Danny. 
Hello, Mormons. Yeah, man. But that perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, he says, I want you to be able to speak the same thing that you're per that way you could be perfectly joined together in the same mind, that means in the thought processes, and in the same judgment. That means the way you deal with sin in the church. Okay, go on. Okay, for it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are tensions among you. Okay, hold it. Do you notice something here, Danny? Contention, yes. But not only that, do you actually realize Paul didn't actually know this firsthand? Paul himself didn't have firsthand knowledge of this contention in their church. He got it through the grapevine of the household of Chloe that the Corinthian church has got some arguing going on in the church. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have firsthand knowledge. He only heard about it through the household of Chloe, who was a, obviously a member of that church. And Chloe came to Paul and said, You know the church you started in Corinth? Well, hey, you got to see what's going on over there. Okay, go on. Okay. <coughs> well, now this uh, one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of, Ap of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Okay, hold it. Now, what was the division? The division was who their leader was. Some said, he says, every one of you are saying a different message. Some of you are saying, I am of Paul, meaning I was saved because of Paul. Some said, I was saved because of Apollos. Some said of Cephas. And others said, I was saved from Christ. Now, I find a problem with that, and so didn't Paul. Now, go ahead, Danny, and I'll show you what we're talking about. Okay, uh, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Okay, now, ho, I want to stop you just before you hit verse 14. Because, Danny, now, reading this verse, Paul just got done saying, Look, Jesus ain't divided. I may have led you to the Lord. I may have led somebody to the Lord, but they're not of Kenny Wolfgang. They're of Christ. Okay? Don't you dare glorify me. It's Christ. Christ isn't divided. There was only one person who saved souls. And you were not baptized in my name. You were baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, picture this, Danny. Everybody says there's no humor in the Word of God, right? Now, picture this bug-eyed Jew preacher and read verse 14. I thank God that I was baptized, none of you, but Christus, Gaius. Hey, picture this bug-eyed Jew preacher getting up full of the Holy Ghost. I thank God I baptized none of you reprobates. It's in the Greek or somewhere. But I thank God I baptized none of you, except for Christus, Crispus and Gaius. The next verse goes on to say, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. 
Otherwise, I do not know if I baptize any other. Go ahead and read that verse 15, Danny. Now, he said, look, the only reason I didn't baptize is so that nobody could say I baptized in my name. He said, now look, it ain't me, it's Jesus. Get me off the pedestal and get Jesus on the pedestal where he belongs. Amen. Okay, that was verse 16, Danny? 15. Okay, give us 16. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know... Not whether I baptized any other. Now he said, look, I don't, I don't even remember. I did baptize the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember if I baptized any other. But now, hello, Church of Christ. Ruthie's about to re get over here and read for us, starting in verse 17. And guess what? Hello, Church of Christ. I wish you'd put this on your little shingle as the people fly by, you know? I, I like verse 17. Uh, they ought to put, Danny, you agree verse 17 ought to be on their little shingle as you fly by the Mormons? Yes. <laughs> Come on over here, really. Verse 17. You might as well sit down and get comfortable there. Sit. Verse 17. <laughs> For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I wasn't trying to make fun of anything. I just thought the way that scripture was up. Uh, that's what I like about that scripture. Now think about it. What do he say? For Christ sent me not to baptize. Hello, Mormons. Hello, Church of Christ. Hello, Catholic cult. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now wait a minute. Uh, Danny, wouldn't that indicate to you that there's a difference between baptism and, and, and preaching the gospel? Yes. It says here, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. It means it must be two separate things. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, Ruthie, go on. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, Danny, you know why we were considered fools by the world? We preach Jesus. We preach the crucifixion. We preach Jesus died for your sins. We preach there's only one way to heaven. We preach once saved, always saved. And they look at us like you bunch of fools. Yeah, well, they'll just have to look at us that way. Hey, they just have to get over it. Amen. Yeah. Now, now Ruthie, I want you to finish reading the whole section, the rest of it, because it all uh, meets the same context from here on. Go ahead. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. 
and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, whom God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So if you're going to have some glory, if you want to shout, if you want to brag, you want to get on your high horse, get humble. Get humble. Because if you don't get humble, you're in some deep, deep trouble. See, the most important thing is, see, if you're going to call someone a fool, they better be a biblical one. Because that old saying that they say after April Fool's Day is over is, you know, well, April Fool's has passed and you're the only fool that lasts. Well, let me tell you something. If you're not saved, you are foolish. Yes. You are foolish. The Bible said that there were ten virgins who trimmed their lamps. Five were wise and took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Five were foolish. And they didn't take no oil in the vessel with their lamp. While they slumbered and slept, the bridegroom came. And when the call came out, they all rose, trimmed their lamps, and went forth to meet him. But the foolish found they had no oil in their vessel, so they went to the wise and said, let, me, let us have some of your oil. And the wise said, oh, no, we're not. We may not have enough for us and you. Go and buy. Well, why the foolish went to buy, the wise went into the marriage supper, the door was shut, the others went, got the oil, and then when they came back, they didn't have enough. And the door was already shut. And, they, and, and the bridegroom said, I never knew you, depart from me. See, the oil is representation of our salvation. The light is representation of what we do with, our, uh, with, with salvation. Now, the wise who already had the oil, they did not go and buy it. It was given them. They already had it, and they just maintained it and kept it. Those are the people that were once saved, always saved. Yes. The ones who didn't have no oil in their uh, vessel, oil being the Holy Ghost, they didn't have Jesus. What they had to do is go and buy. That means they were trying to work their way in. But let me show you something, folks. Works didn't get you in. So, let me tell you. Don't be a fool. And I don't mean a fool as in the way this world plays practical jokes. I mean don't be a fool with eternity. Yes. Don't say in your heart there is no God, that there is no hell, that there is no judgment and Jesus is nothing. Don't say that. What you should be saying is what it says when, like the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, let me tell you, it ain't what you got to do. It's what God already did, what Jesus already did. All you got to do is reach out and grab it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man would just open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And I give unto him eternal life. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And they won't follow a stranger. And, And when you get in Jesus' hand, no one can snatch you out, not even the devil. Not, not only that, but you're in the Father's hand. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. That includes the devil. Why? Because Jesus and the Father are one. They are God. They're both God. They have been God and always will be God. Yes. So tonight, just take this verse as we get ready for our invitation and consider it. The two verses is this, and it's a very familiar passage. You guys could quote along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You want to be saved tonight? That's all you need to do. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. All you got to do is accept it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you right now that you would just bless this message. That you would just touch right now the preaching of your word, Lord. Lord, for those who heard this message and don't know you, Lord, as Savior, we ask you, Lord, that they would just come to you right now and say, Jesus... I need you as my Savior and my Lord. Lord, there's nothing I could do. You already did it. So, Lord, help us right now to live for you. And for those of us who are saved, Lord, that we would understand that if we're going to call somebody a fool, it better be for the biblical reason and not for some stupid foolishness. But, Lord, help us to be for the real deal. For you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, that we could worship you. And Lord, for that one that is nearest hell right now that needs to be saved, would you save their soul? As we give this invitation, Lord, would you help them to come forth, saying, I yield, I yield. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen.